I came to Colorado Springs and I bombed. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's a bad answer. And I, for a long time, I wanted to be a Mormon Lewis Black. I was like the baddest act. Everyone looks at me like I'm that dope on the stairs. A nice boy in a mean world. Uh, so I don't know. You get to go out and make somebody laugh. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Welcome to In the Springs, episode number 76. I'm still your host, Ryan Lowry. On today's show, I catch up with arguably one of the nicest guys in the stand-up comedy world, Mr. Aaron Woodall. My interview with Aaron was recorded on December 11th at Looney's Comedy Corner right here in Colorado Springs. Aaron and I had a great conversation where he talks about developing his comedy chops on the mean streets of Provo, Utah at BYU his early success in comedy, and his comedy goals as his young and promising career takes off. Without further ado, sit back and enjoy, because stand-up comedian Aaron Woodall is in the Springs. All right, Aaron Woodall, we are doing this, man. You, sir, are in the Springs. I'm in the Springs, and I've already learned that it's called the Springs. It Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Now, I understand you have been to Looney's one other time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what was that? Uh, what was that about? Oh, man. Uh, you are well informed. I came to Looney's in 2012, okay. maybe, uh, for a satellite competition of the World Series of Comedy. Gotcha. And uh, it was like the first thing I had really done out of state. It was the first... I think it was the first thing I ever submitted for. And uh, like I submitted my video and they, the, anyway, I had an inflated sense of who I was. I had not been tested on the road yet. I came to Colorado Springs and I bombed so hard. It was, <laughs> it was awful. It was terrible. And I went up on stage with such confidence. I was so, I had, I was the very last comedian. And uh, it's like the the semifinal preliminary round, whatever the like the finals of the next night. And uh, I watched everyone, and I was like, no one is really like unbeatable. Like no one had a great set. Like this is mine for the taking. I know that I'm good. Like, and I went on stage, and I just and like nothing. I got nothing from the audience. My last, my closer at that time. Uh, which tested amazingly well on college campuses uh, was a comparison between Harry Potter and Star Wars. And it's like a two minute bit and just two minutes of complete silence. Oh my God. And I just was like, and I just walked off stage like, thank you. Good night. And I walked off stage and then I just cried on the drive home. I was like, oh, oh. well, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, now, uh, in 2012, how long had you been doing stand-up at that point? Um, I guess just a year. Wow. So yeah. you really were on a fast track as far as getting accepted into the, the World Series, at least the preliminary rounds of the World Series yeah. of Comedy. Mm -hmm. And so I, I looked at a lot of your stuff online, and, and some of the clips that I saw, there's a lot of physicality in, in what you do on stage. What is that... How did you kind of come across that affect? What you know was that something that day one? That's kind of the the persona that you've got hmm. on stage, or how did that come about? Uh, no, I feel like uh, I I don't know. I feel like that's not really my my forte. I don't know. Like it's never not forte. It's never what I'm thinking about. I feel like I've just every now and then I get a good physical bit and I always do well with it. Like, and it always, but I've never like uh, a lot of my acts like last night I made, I stayed mostly still. And then like I had a couple bits at the end 
that were a little bit more physical. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, I I think I'm just I I just kind of stumble across them, and maybe. Yeah, I was sorry. That's a bad answer. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's a that's a great answer. So now going back to 2010, 2011, when you first started, mm-hmm. what was the the draw for, for and, and where were you at the the first time you did stand up? When what was the draw to get on stage that first time? I was at BYU. Okay, I was a student at Brigham Young University, and they have a club there for kids who are interested in stand up comedy. And I had been at the university for a while, and I'd heard of this, and I always wanted to do it. And uh, I just was busy, didn't have time to go to their meetings and stuff. And then, uh, I don't know, like an open mic thing was coming up where they were looking for new members of the club. And my wife really encouraged me to do it. And uh, I did really well. And then they put me on a show. And uh, I just, I don't know, I, I got hooked on it right away. I was, it was something I feel like I had wanted to do for years. Like I had uh, always liked stand-up comedy, always talked about it. My mom says I used to memorize Steve Martin bits and like rehearse them to like adults at parties and stuff. So I think it was always in the back of my mind. And like BYU finally, get, there was like this opportunity where it was just like, it was just already set up. It wasn't hard to do. They already had like the system in place. You do a show up and like tell some jokes. And uh, it was a very, very nice crowds at BYU. Like they're the most polite. Like even if you're not funny, they're just like, "Oh, he's trying. He's good. Good for you." So it's like a very uh, easy, fertile. It's like a comedy preschool, I think. Right. And uh, so I got, I got, I got good there. And I was like, I really want to do this elsewhere, like outside. And then you bomb so hard in Colorado Springs, and there's still, you're just like, you're like, I know I can fix this. Like there's something like I, I can I can keep if I keep doing this I can fix this, and I can make those people in the springs like me as much as these people here in Provo, you know. And so then I started going on the road more and uh, you know expanding more, meeting other comics who would take me along as their feature and stuff like that. So now I've got a, a stereotype of a BYU stand-up comedy gr- group. That's exactly yeah. Whatever you're picturing. <laughs> That it would be a relatively clean environment. Oh, yeah. The the, the comedy would not, you know, kind of stray from Mm. from that. So when you did start going out into the more of the club circuit, like, you know, whether it's here at Looney's in Colorado Springs Mm -hmm. or elsewhere, did you feel you had to alter or cater your material to that more nightclub, you know, dive bar vibe or whatever it might be? I never felt like I had to make it dirtier. I did feel like I had to alter it uh, to old because they're all older people. I was performing for teenagers in a lot of shows, like 18 and 19 year olds. Uh, and thank goodness I had a son. Like it really, like that, I had a son about the same time I was going out on the road and it saved me. Cause the first few, sh- all I had was like college age material. And then finally I could talk about like babies and pregnancy, <laughs> you know? And then like right. everyone in the room understood like, oh yeah, okay, I can relate to this material. And I really, that got me through like, I don't know, at least a year as I started writing more like age appropriate material, right? Um, and then as I, after I've graduated college, like uh, I don't know, like it's all it's already like the opposite. When I try to go back to a younger crowd, suddenly I'm like, what do you guys like? What really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, sure, whatever. I guess I'll write new jokes. But I really think it was having a child that really saved me in like that first year on the road. Otherwise, I'd have nothing. Everyone would be like, he talks about Harry Potter a lot. <laughs> I... So now what are your, your personal sensibilities as far as the type of comedy that 
you know, either contemporary comedy or going back through, you know, the catalog of comedy history, what type of material are you drawn to and are you a fan of? Um, hmm. I am uh, not the greatest student of comedy to like talk about, but I could probably list like comedians that I really like and that I've been influenced by. The first comedian that, well, I think my mom bought me a Bob Newhart CD when uh, I was in high school and uh, I loved him. He was very, just so smart. I loved, I remember listening to his, like his phone conversation bits and just thinking they were so, the fact that like the, the part, I remember just being, my, having my mind blown by the parts that he wouldn't say. And like he would just react to the stuff that was being said on the phone that you couldn't hear. Right. And just thinking like, that's so funny. When he, there's like, there's one time where there's like a guy, he's talking to a guy who's on a beach who's found a bomb on the beach. And you can't hear, like he's totally calm and stuff inside and deadpan, but you, by everything he says, you can perfectly imagine this man on the beach who's freaking out, who's screaming, and it was, it was wonderful. And I thought that was so smart. Uh, and then like the next comedian I remember listening to in high school was Lewis Black, which is a huge, it's a very <laughs> different, very a v- great difference in volume alone, right? Right. right. And I, for a long time, I wanted to be a Mormon Lewis Black. I thought that was going to look great in a bio. I thought that was a great looking, um, the Mormon Lewis Black. And I wanted, so I like in at BYU, I wrote lots of ranty material. I yeah. wrote lots of rants. I would rant about something and I would scream about it. And I had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, but the, the, in the, and in the last couple of years, I've realized that like, no one th- that doesn't fit me like, who, right, right. Like, or at least what people think of me when they see me, they see like the, this, like, apple pie quarterback uh, homecoming king like this nice boy that you'd be glad to uh, introduce to your parents (laughs) and so when i was just like screaming about stuff it didn't really work and so i feel like lately i've been uh uh, like more closely following people like pete holmes and john mulaney uh oh sure yeah yeah uh they're like you know they have like a nice boy shtick but uh it's they can still uh take that into uh maybe not darker, but like more mature, uh, subject matter. Gotcha. Now do you, and this is a a really kind of cheesy comedy question, but over the course of, you know, again, kind of 2010, 2011, when you started until now, a lot of comics talk about finding their voice, you know, where you look back at George Carlin and he was the hippy dippy weatherman Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of the button down comic. And then he went into the, you know, kind of counterculture hippie and really found his true voice. I mean, do you feel like that's still evolving for you? Or can you, if somebody, you know, says, who is Aaron Woodall, you can define that now. Yeah, I think uh, I am getting much more defined uh, in the last year. But it's really just been the last year. And so it's definitely going to, like, sharpen and change a little bit. Uh, But it's, I think a big thing for me was, like, changing my environment. Uh, I, at BYU, I was, and I joke about this on stage now, like I was like the baddest ass. Like I (laughs) was a rebel and I, you know, and, uh, so like I, I kind of had that attitude on stage and like everywhere else I go though, I'm like the nicest boy. Like I, like I was the meanest person at BYU. They, at BYU, they like start conversations with strangers and I will not like, I, like someone tried to like. They would like, tr- like, we're passing each other on the stairs, and this guy I've never met before would be like, Hey, man, like, how you doing? And I would just be like, freaked out. Like, and then, so I would just like look at him weird and then walk away. And that was so rude, 
you know? Uh, but like now, out in the real world, everyone looks at me like I'm that dope on the stairs. So like going, <laughs> hi, how are you doing? You know? And so uh, I'm like, I think uh, leaving BYU has helped me find out more of like, all right, in the actual world, where do I, where do I stand? You know? And that's kind of helped me figure out me more. And uh, it's also, uh, it was uh, fun and liberating to have all like the restrictions lifted uh, off of me after I left BYU. Cause it's, 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 I tell people it's cleaner than clean. Like not only you have to be clean, but you have to be inoffensive as well. Uh, which is, uh, like there's subject matter you just can't touch. Even right, if you're right. clean about it, you just can't do it. And so to then take all those restrictions off and find out where my own, where's my own line, you know, what do I feel comfortable saying on stage and figuring that out. And I'm like, I'm still like by the comedy world standards, like very clean, right, but I'm, right. <laughs> you know, I'm way, I'm way too uh, racy for BYU these days. You yeah. Know? And that's been fun. And I like push the line like past where, like I would, pr- I would practice jokes where I would just, I would get really vulgar and filthy and be like, nope, I didn't really like that. No, I didn't. That's not who I am, you yeah. know? And it's been fun to get to, to play around and figure out. And now I feel like I'm found, I found this zone, you know, where I present myself on stage as the nice young man, hi. And then uh, I start pushing, like uh, people's, like or breaking people's expectations of me. Like I, I open with, you know, everything that they think that they see. And I talk about being Mormon and stuff, but then I, you know, I talk about how my son learned the F word and the, the stuff that that caused. And I talk about like learning about sex as, <laughs> as an adult, you know, like as a Mormon, it's like, you don't find out about it until you like the, the, you know, the day that you have it. Right? And then you're just like, and so the, like, I'm at like the, le- like the education level of like a 10th grade boy right now. And so like, I do lots of jokes about that too, but it's all from like, so I do like jokes about like dirtier topics, but it's all from the viewpoint of like, from like a squeaky clean viewpoint. Right. Right. You know, it's like a, a nice boy in a mean world is maybe the, the new line from my bio. Right. That I'll right. Use. I think that's, that's where I'm, where I'm going. Well, now, do you, and this might be kind of presumptuous on my part, but as far as your, your Mormon background, do you feel that there's any conflict in terms of, I think, generically speaking, when people think of stand-up, they think of guys on stage with a cigarette in hand, mm-hmm. you know, and a scotch and, and yeah. drunk people in the audience and all that kind of stuff. Is there any conflict for you in terms of, these people aren't going to get me, so I'm going to try to educate them on, I'm a, a real live Mormon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? There's Don't step, be afraid. I know. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I really do try. I try. Like, that's my goal. With I make lots of jokes about being Mormon, and my goal is to kind of normalize it. I definitely take shots at the church too, like, uh, and because that's funny. Like, and it's there. It's there. It's easy, right? But uh, I want to try to normalize. I want people to think like because they they think of their this Mormon that they know at work or in their neighborhood, and then think you know, and then see me on stage and be like, oh, this guy was funny. You know, he's normal. Like, he can laugh about right. the stuff, you know. I bet I bet Jared is also pretty cool, you know. I just kind of want to, uh, yeah, to normalize it. But at the same time, that's that, that thought that you talked about, the comic with the cigarette, also exists in amongst Mormons. Yeah. And so I feel like I have to, like, also convince them that I am not going to hell. Like, I mean, maybe I am, but, like, not because I'm a stand-up comic. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> now, have you experienced any... Um any negativity from fellow comics in terms of your your background and your point of view? Again, with that stereotype of, of what a, a quote-unquote comic is? 
No, I don't think so. I, uh, if anything, it was from, uh, it was from other like Mormon comics or like Utah comics. It was when I was first like starting to go to like open mics and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they had, it was, it was like, it was funny. Like, I feel like I was treated better by like other comics than like those in Utah. Oh, that's interesting. In Utah, they like look at like specifically BYU. It's just funny to be like, like, it's like, uh, What's that thing? In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? right it's just right. like, I was like, you're Mormon. But he's like, yeah, but I'm not as Mormon as you. You're so freaking Mormon at BYU, you know? Yeah. And I, so I feel like I got talked down to a lot by like those guys uh, uh, just in the beginning, you know? But like, I've, I've gone to other festivals and stuff and uh, everyone's been super nice to me. Like no one's, no one's been like, hey, you homophobe. And right, I, you right. know, like, you know, everyone's just uh, assumed the best about me, I think. Yeah. So. So this transition is not, again, not, you know, just because you're from, from Utah or you're a Mormon, but what was the transition like for you when you did start to perform outside of your hometown and, 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 you know, what experiences did you have where it's like, gosh, I'm really gonna have to kind of change up my material or change up my pace, or this is Aaron, take it or leave it. So, um, I, uh. I think that you, I mean, you have to get on the, go on the road to get good, and you have to leave. And luckily, I met people very early on who wanted to take me on the road, and so I got I got a lot of experience, and it was terrifying. And uh, it just you find like those nice crowds a- at home were kind to all of my material, you know. So I thought it was all good. And then when you perform on the road, and you realize there's only this one joke that gets a laugh every single time. That's the only good joke that I have. Oh man, I have one. I have one joke. Yeah, I'm supposed to do 30 minutes, and I have one joke. And so I think it just, like, the transition more than anything was about writing better material. Yeah, and getting better. Uh, I did the Big Sky Comedy Fest a couple or last year. Yeah, a year ago. It was last October, and that was in Billings, and it's some of the best like uh, up and coming comics. And it was a miracle that I got invited to come. But that was like the biggest, so far, the biggest eye-opening thing that I've had when I can, I remember being super nervous before I went. I was like, I really want to do well. I want to advance to the finals. That's my goal. I want to advance to the finals. And I was so nervous and working on my material. And when I got there and I realized how much better, like instantly, how much better everyone was than me, I was like, oh, I'm not going to advance. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good. I can relax now. And I just got to meet, there's these comics that are like a decade further than me in experience. And I got to watch them all for a week, for you know half of a week, and get to see my future, you know. Yeah. And it was exciting and intimidating and wonderful all at the same time. Just to be like, they're so good. They're so much better than me, you know. Now, are you able to put your finger on what that means when you say that they were better than you? Is there a particular attribute you can point to? One of the things I think there's many things. First of all, but one of the things that stood out to me was i mean and it just comes with with experience so i guess like you boil it down it's just it's just experience gotcha um but they just didn't care as much as i did you know like i was so nervous and like we're like like do you guys know like when they're gonna give us a light like if like you know can i ask for you know like and i'm at, <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. and like because they've bombed so many times They've got 10 years worth of experience bombing and they just don't care anymore, you know? Right. They're very sure of who they are. They know what their material is and uh, I feel like that is so important for the, for the presence that you have on stage. When it's like the girl in high school 
you liked her because she didn't like you know care enough about you. Right, she right, right. She, you know, she was playing hard to get, and that's why I feel like audiences like that. They want you to do well. Yeah. And when they can pick up, they I feel like it's it's amazing all the different things that an audience can know about you when you walk on stage. And they can they can just sense so how relaxed like these other guys response, were, and yeah. how re, how much these this comic just didn't care if he did well or not, and they just had more fun with it. I thought, and I kept thinking, I can't wait to be like that, yeah, because I am an anxious, nervous <laughs> wreck right now. <laughs> right, right. Now, as you are starting to get on the road more, you're married with a, a son. Yeah, I got a two year old son. How has that balance been? I it's been really good. I uh, when I graduated. I uh, almost didn't pursue this full time. And what was your degree in? Just out of uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I really, <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure what I graduated in, Ryan. Uh, I, uh, technically, my the I have a degree. I have a diploma that says Italian. I've got I've got a Bachelor of Arts in Italian. There you go. Um, the thing was, I was in love with doing stand up in college, and I that's what I spent all my time doing. But I wouldn't admit that that's what I wanted. I was too scared to say I want to do this as a career. Gotcha. And so I kept bouncing around from major to major, trying to find the thing that was going to make me happy. Nothing would. And then eventually BYU was like, you have to graduate. Like, guess what? You're an Italian major now. Like, take take this last class and get out. And so uh, that's what happened. And then I... Um, I almost took a job as a teacher. I was going to do Teach for America and go to Maryland. I had a job offer and we decided not to do it and to do full-time comedy instead. And I think all the time about it. And when I talk to my wife, I'm like, can you imagine me not being home? Like I just, I would be gone before Ethan wakes up in the morning. I'd come home like an hour or two before he goes to bed and it would be awful. And now like, I just think like, I know, I mean, I'm getting on the road more and more and I'm traveling more and more, but so far it's been so easy to balance. Uh, I have so much time at home when I am home. Right, right. My wife's also self-employed. She's a photographer. And uh, so when I'm not on the road, like she's out, she's at her studio editing photos and I'm stay-at-home dad. And I have a blast doing it. I love it. I've got to, I get a lot of satisfaction from it. Uh, and then I go out on the road and it's nice to have like alone time. And after, like yesterday, I was super excited about it. Today, I was having a great day with Paul until the afternoon. Suddenly, I was like, I'm ready to play with my son again. Yeah, you know, yeah, I wish yeah. I'm re- already missing him, ready to be home. But we uh, travel a lot together as much as we can. We, uh, like I, this weekend, uh, I took my son and wife to Denver first. She's got family in Denver that she wanted to visit. And then she's doing like a, an engagement shoot with a, with a bolder couple, you know? So like anytime we can plot our work together, we nice. do it. So we travel a lot. I feel like we spend more time, uh, as a family than, than most Americans can that are work that are working two jobs. You know, that's uh, we are incredibly lucky. We're both doing what we like to do. We're, it's our first choice for both of us. And we have so much free time to spend with each other. It's a beautiful life. I can't complain. Nice. Now this is kind of an ambiguous question, but what is, what is a, co- a comedy career look like for you? And what is, what is, Again, kind of generic. Like my, my dream path? Exactly. Like my five-year plan? Yeah, like you if know? you and I sat down five years from now, ten years from now, what, is, what does a comedy career look like for you? Well, uh, five years from now, I hope to be headlining. Like that's uh, one. Right now, I'm, I'm, I am uh, really comfortable featuring. I headline sometimes, 
but I have no uh, like disillusions about what I am. I am a very good feature, right? And like, if you need me to headline, like, yeah, I can do it, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm a good feature, and right now I'm just like focused on getting. I want to get out and feature in as many clubs as possible. I want to go here, 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 here. Keep making connections. Keep getting experience. And but like in five years, I want to have been. You know, I want to keep moving up, right? And I want to keep getting better. Uh, and still keep working those, you know, lots of those clubs. And then I think at eventually I want to move. Like, uh, I know, I don't know. No. I think that I, like I, when I plot out my career path, there are several like ejection points, you know, like if, if, right, I, right, if right. It, you know, if I decide, you know, I can just take a left turn and just, and just stay like a road comic maybe, or like, you know, maybe I'm just going to be, you know, a local comic or something like that. I, maybe I'll be happy with that. Maybe. But right now, like the, if I keep going, like my straight line path is like, I want to go to LA and, uh, I'm, I feel like I have to be a little bit more careful about than, than most comics that move to New York or LA just because I've got a family right. and I can't like move in with four other dudes and, you know, split rent, you know? So, uh, my wife and I talk about it all the time. Uh, I'm just still like fingers crossed that she just gets like super rich doing photography <laughs> and that she can like finance the move herself. Yeah. Right. Uh, that would make it so much easier. Danielle, please work on that. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah. No pressure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I want to, I want to become a headliner and I want to move to a bigger market, probably LA because everything Paul has told me this week about living in New York has terrified me. <laughs> I'm like, all right, maybe I, <laughs> maybe I won't do that. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I dream this, I feel like that everyone, that all the comics dream, like, you know, I want to get on a TV show and then I want to get like, you know, to be the star of Guardians of the Galaxy and then, you know, <laughs> and then be in Jurassic World and then be like this uh, international millionaire, you know, like that's, that's, <laughs> that's Absolutely. the dream. There are several other options if that doesn't come true, right, you know, right. if you like, if you just, if I just become a comic living in LA, I'll probably be really happy like that. You know what I mean? So, uh, like there's just, uh, not a lot of downside in this career. I feel like even at like the lowest point, like if you're just doing, crappy road gigs like you know you're at least getting paid to do comedy you know yeah. like you get you get to go out and make somebody laugh and i think that's that's pretty cool well aaron i've done um, almost 100 interviews here at looney's and you are one of the most positive <laughs> upbeat comedians i've ever met man so yeah at byu they called me the most depressed negative person <laughs> oh that they had ever met uh, just to give you an idea <laughs> of the difference. <laughs> well, Aaron Woodall, I appreciate your time, my friend, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time here at Looney's. Thank you, Ryan. All Thank right, you. thanks, buddy. So there you have it, stand-up comedian Aaron Woodall. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, genuinely one of the nicest guys I've met, and I suspect the comedy future is very bright for Aaron. I certainly wish him nothing but the best. My thanks to Eric and the folks at Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support, and as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. You can find the In the Springs podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also follow In the Springs on Twitter at RPL underscore Metajunk. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. Springs.